0: Acts chapter 9, we're continuing a series called Multiply. Really, through this year, we've been working our way through the book of Acts. And so, we've gotten a really good context for what God is doing in His church um, throughout the book of Acts. And a a lot of of what is happening in Acts is something that Jesus gave to His disciples in the very beginning in Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 8, uh, where He told them that they were going to be His witnesses, that He was going to be sending them out. And as we get to this series called Multiply, we've begun to see just exactly how uh, God's followers are being faithful to go out and multiply. And so a lot of this started with a guy named Stephen. And Stephen was uh, a believer in the the church, and he was one of the guys set apart to take care of widows. But um, Stephen found himself in a moment standing in front of uh, Jewish religious leaders where he basically called them to account for their responsibility in uh, the death of Jesus And they didn't take that very well. And so because of that, they dragged him outside of the city and they began to stone him. And so there are lots of people seeing Stephen um, being put to death that day. And the death of Stephen started this great persecution um, for the church of Jesus. So the body of Christ began to enter into this big moment of persecution. And there was one guy named Saul um, who was a Jewish leader who was behind that persecution And Saul was a guy who saw it as his mission and as his goal uh, to destroy the church of Jesus. But what Saul didn't realize, and what the people who put Stephen to death didn't realize, is that Stephen's death was this catalytic moment. That as this persecution began to break out, and the followers of Jesus scattered and spread out around them, uh, that they would begin to tell the whole world about who Jesus was. And they took an opportunity to multiply. And so today we're going to be picking up in Acts chapter 9. And it's really a fascinating moment and a fascinating passage of Scripture. Um, because it's, it's one where we see Jesus speak specifically to two uh, different guys audibly. It is the voice of Jesus talking to them in a way that most of us have probably never experienced or never seen. And so it's going to be interesting to see exactly Uh, what Jesus says and what that causes to happen. So Acts chapter 9, I'm just going to start reading there uh, in verse 1. It says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, that's the church of Jesus, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. And Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. And so we have Saul, this character we've we've already talked about, uh, who was on this crusade really to destroy The church of Jesus. And the the language that Luke puts to it here I think is so fascinating. That Saul is breathing threats and murder. That really we get a clear picture of the heart of Saul. That he wants to destroy the church of Jesus. And so he goes and he goes to the high priest. And he asks them for permission to go to a town called Damascus. And find any Christians that are there. And bring them back bound to Jerusalem. Uh, In prison And, and on his way to Damascus this big super important moment happens that as he is on his way to Damascus to destroy the way the church of Jesus Saul meets Jesus face to face and this light comes from heaven and it causes him to fall on the ground and blind him to where he can't see anymore and the voice of Jesus speaks out to him and asks him why are you persecuting me And I think Saul's answer is so interesting, because he first asks the question, who are you? But I think at the same time, he already knows or has a bit of an understanding that this is the voice of God calling out to him, because he says, who are you, Lord? And that term Lord is this term for a master, someone who speaks, and then you obey what they say and do the thing that they tell you to do. And what Saul doesn't realize in this moment is that he has a new master. And this Jesus that he has been persecuting is now becoming his master, the one that he obeys. And so Jesus speaks to him and he tells him, listen, get up. I want you to go in this city and wait. Go in the city and wait. And so Saul rises up from the ground. He's blind. He can't see anything. The men who are with him, who heard this voice as well. And carry him and take him into Uh, the town of Damascus, where he waits for three days and he doesn't eat or drink anything. And hear me this morning, I don't think it's any accident that Jesus blinded Saul in this moment. Because I think Jesus was showing him exactly who he was, that he was blind, that because of his upbringing, Because of the things that he had been doing and and the things that he had been thinking and the the things that he was running after in his life, that he had been blind to the fact that Jesus was in fact Lord, that he was the Messiah, that he was the one who was coming um, to take away the sins of the world. And because of all of that, Saul was blind to Jesus. He was blind to who Jesus was. And so Jesus physically blinds him to show him that he can't see and that he doesn't understand and Jesus steps into his life and he speaks clearly to him and that's really the first thing that I think we see in this passage as we get started is that Jesus speaks clearly he certainly speaks clearly to Saul here but we hear that phrase Jesus speaks clearly and some of us aren't really sure about that this morning um, because we've had a lot of moments probably in our life where we've been wanting to hear from God, or we've been wanting to hear from Jesus clearly on something, uh, and, and, and we don't, for whatever reason, we don't feel like God is speaking to us clearly and He's telling us what our next step is or what we need to be doing. And so we question this, and, and it seems like sometimes when God tries to speak to us that it's more confusing than it is clear. And even when you look at, at Jesus Jesus' ministry is, 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 is kind of an interesting picture of this. And if you study how Jesus would teach, he taught in parables or stories. And in a lot of ways, that helped him clarify his message about who he was because he was taking uh, the truth about himself and about God, and he was putting it in a cultural context that people could understand. And so it helped clarify a little bit uh, of who Jesus was. But also in a lot of ways, uh, his parables and his stories kind of concealed truth. And they kept things back from people who weren't ready to hear them or they weren't ready to listen. And I think that's something that Jesus does throughout the gospel several times as he's telling his stories. As he uses this phrase, that he who has ears to hear, let let him hear. What Jesus is saying is that if you're listening, then you're going to be able to hear me. If you're listening, if you have ears to hear, listen. And you're going to be able to hear me clearly. But even still, it's hard for us sometimes to be able to hear clearly from God. And so I want to I give a, look, a couple of caveats to this idea that Jesus speaks clearly. The first caveat is this Jesus speaks clearly, but we don't always listen closely. Jesus speaks clearly, but we don't always listen closely. See, we may never have the opportunity like Saul to directly, audibly hear the voice of God, hear the voice of Jesus speaking to us and telling us what to do. It doesn't mean that God won't do that. He certainly can do that. He's very capable of it. But even if we have to hear from him in a different way, I still believe that God doesn't speak to us in confusion, but he speaks to us in clarity, But the problem a lot of times is that we have a lot of other voices around us that are speaking to us as well, telling us other things. There is a liar and a deceiver in Satan who is speaking to us, just like he spoke to Adam and Eve, trying to steer them towards wrongdoing and sin and away from God. That same voice speaks to us, trying to deceive us and pull us away from what God would want for us. We have other people in our lives who are far from God, that don't understand and aren't speaking the things that God is speaking to our heart, who would pull us in another direction. And if we're really honest, our own voice is maybe one of the loudest voices sometimes against the voice of God to us. Because the things that we desire of this world and of safety and comfort are things that keep us back from doing the things that God would have us to do in obedience to Him. There are a lot of other clear voices out there as well. And we have to learn to be able to discern the voice of God speaking to us. I used to play this game with my students when I was a student pastor. And we would blindfold one of our students and we'd put them like in the middle of this obstacle course. And they had to like find their way out of it. And there was one person whose job was to stay next to them, stay close to them, and be telling them exactly what they needed to do blindfolded to get out of this obstacle course. And so they were the guide and they were leading them out of the obstacle course. But there were a lot of other people who he also put in there who were screaming out and telling them different things, telling them to go a different way, telling them to step over a different thing. And they were trying to deceive them and they were trying to lie to them so that they couldn't do what the one voice was telling them to do. And this is what happens in our lives a lot of times where God is speaking to us and He's giving us direction. He's giving us direction by His word, but the other voices in our, li- in our life are so loud that we have a hard time discerning what is the voice of our Savior and how do we follow Him obediently amidst all the other voices that are happening in our lives. And so we get lost. Jesus addresses this in John chapter 10. He's talking to his disciples and he's talking to them about sheep and, and shepherds. And Jesus says this in John 10, 4. He says, when, speaking about a shepherd, When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Shepherds are able to lead their sheep because the sheep know the voice of their shepherd. And then Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, and we are his sheep. And it's important in this world that we are able to discern the voice of our Father, of our Savior, so that we can follow him obediently where he's leading us to do. Pastor, will spend some time talking about this last week, how the way that we grow to know and discern the voice of God is by spending time with him. And the more time that we spend with him, the more that we will know uh, what he wants. We'll know the character of his voice and we'll know the kinds of things that he says to us. And Over the last several years in ministry, I've come up with a few different ideas to kind of help me clarify. How do I listen well to God? How do I discern that this is what God wants for me? And so here's just a few tips for you. Number one, um, read and apply the Bible. The Bible is God's word. It is God's word to us. And this is the most important step to us in, In hearing and discerning what is the voice of God. Because if you have someone in your life who's telling you something to do that doesn't line up with what God is telling you to do in his word. Then they're lying to you and they're trying to deceive you. Because God speaks to us clearly through his word. And we can trust it. It's not going to lead us astray but it's going to lead us to his heart. And then we have to apply God's word. We can't just read it. We've got to put it in practice. And I firmly and truly believe that if we are hearing from God in his word and we're putting it into practice and our life is different in our obedience to God's word, then we are going to end up exactly where God wants us because we're faithfully following him and he's not going to lead us astray. It's why we encourage people here as they spend time with God on a daily basis. Now, we use the SOAP method of Bible journaling and one of the big important parts of that is applying God's word. How do we hear from God and then take it and apply it in our lives in a real and in a practical way? And then number two, develop a heart for God. Develop a heart for God. Not just read God's word and and live it out, but how do we grow our desire for him? How can our heart become God's heart? Psalm 37, 4, it says, uh, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That as we find our joy in him, As we find our desires in God and not in the things of this world, that then God will give us the desires of our heart. But guess what changed? As we delight in him, our desires are no longer for the things that this world would deceive us with, but our heart is for the things that God would draw us to himself with. And as we allow him to pull us and draw us to himself, we begin to desire him above everything else. And so that promise that he will give us the desire of our heart as a promise that he's going to give us himself. And if we are with him, we will not be led astray. Number three, listen to godly friends. Listen to godly friends. There's a lot of situations in our life that we end up in where we can't see clearly. We're so caught in the mess of the situation that we have, it's like we have blinders on and we, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to respond. We don't know what the right move is in that moment. And so we need people in our life who love Jesus but are outside of our situation, who can look into it and give us advice, give us godly wisdom and help us discern what it is we're supposed to do. We have groups here at Church Cane Bay called Huddles where people get together, Two to three people get together and they study God's word. They pray for each other. They challenge each other. They encourage each other. And it's such an important relationship because I need someone in my life who when I bring a situation and say, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to respond. I don't know what the right move is. I need someone outside of my situation who can look in and give me godly wisdom for what to do and affirm the things that I hear and I see in God's word. Number four, last tip is this, and it's ask what glorifies God most. Ask what glorifies God most. God gives us by his spirit wisdom, discernment, so that we can discern what's happening. He's given us a mind, a great mind, where we we have this sense of, of common sense, where we can make decisions, and so we can look at a situation and say, does this make sense? And then we can ask the question, does it glorify God? And does it glorify God more than these other options? And if that's the case, then maybe that's the thing that I need to be doing. But even with all these things, sometimes there's still confusion around hearing from God. And so I want to give you the second caveat to Jesus speaks clearly. And that's this. Jesus speaks clearly, but he doesn't always speak to the things that we want him to. And he doesn't always speak to the things that we want him to in the time that we want him to. Saul wasn't asking Jesus to come and step in in this moment in his life. He was on the road to arrest followers of Jesus, and Jesus just stepped in and and inserted himself at a time where Saul needed to hear from God directly what to do. We find ourselves in a lot of moments where it feels like God's not speaking to us, we're not hearing from him. I was in this when I was in college in a big way, which I think is a natural time where we're asking like big questions about life and what we're supposed to do and, and all these different things, who, where we're going to live, who we're going to marry, where we're going to go to school, like all, all these big questions that we have. And I, I was struggling because I felt like I have this future in front of me, but I don't know what to do with it. And so I had all these big questions. And I think when we find ourselves in moments like that, um, sometimes we treat God like a magic eight ball. Um, where we come and we ask out all these big questions and so we're like God I want to hear from you uh, I want you to tell me God am I going to work uh, at this job um, when I get out of school better not tell you now okay thanks um, God am I I, w- I really want to go live in this place like is that the place where you want me to go and live um don't count on it great okay good um god I, uh, I, I there's this person that i, I want to spend the rest of my life with that i want to marry like is this the person for me that i should marry my reply is no but this is what we do with god right we have these big questions and we come to him and we're just like god tell me the answer like i want to know right now just tell me what it is so that i can, I can do it And I was confused in college because I didn't feel like God was answering me the way that I wanted him to. And we had this guy come and speak in our chapel. And uh, he told the story of his life where he had kind of the same questions. And he kept asking God, like, God, where do you want me? What do you want me to do? Like, what's the next step? And so he's, He's he's asking God these questions. He's stressed out about it. He had a lot of sleepless nights. He was wearing a lot of anxiety over all these different things. And he's begging God, like, God, just tell me, tell me, what's your will? What do you want me to do? And it resonated with me in a big way because I was asking those same questions at that time. And this guy told us, he said, you know, it wasn't until later on in my life when I was in my 40s and I was spending time in God's word one morning when all of a sudden, God caused me to look back on my life and see every single one of those questions that I had, every one of those things that I wasn't sure about, that I was confused about, and I realized that at every place, at every step, and at every moment, He had me exactly where He wanted me. And then all of that anxiety and all of that stress was completely unnecessary. And the passage that He read in, in Scripture that morning was from Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 31. Jesus is speaking, and he says this. He says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day. Is its own trouble. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's not that the other stuff doesn't matter. Our Heavenly Father knows that we need it all. But these questions that we bring to Him about who we're going to be in a relationship with and where we're going to live and what church we're going to go to and what we're going to do for a career and when we start a family and and how many kids we're going to have and what we should do for our education and how much money we need to save for our retirement. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, and they're important questions. But in the midst of all of that, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. And he tells us how to do it in his word. And what Jesus is telling us is that we need to focus on the things that he does speak clearly about and all the things that we're begging to hear from him on. Maybe it's not the right time. Maybe it's not the right moment. But let's listen to the things that God is saying clearly and obey there and then see what God does to have us end up in the right place. And the hard truth for us is that sometimes Jesus cares a lot more about us pursuing him than he does us pursuing a job, us pursuing a spouse, us pursuing a, a town to move to. If we can be faithful to pursue him, then all the rest of the stuff's going to fall into place. And all the worry and all the anxiety that we put on ourselves sometimes comes from the fact that we're focused on the wrong things. Jesus speaks clearly to us. And I I know we spent some time there, but it's important because the second point, it's helpful for us to know the voice of our Father as we hear from him on the second point. The second thing is this. Jesus speaks callings. Jesus speaks callings. Look at verse 10. It says, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So again here, Jesus clearly speaks to this guy named Ananias. Not even an enemy anymore, but this is one of his followers. And I love Ananias' response because as soon as Jesus speaks to him, he responds the exact same way Saul does. And he says, Lord, here I am, Lord. Both the lost Saul and the found Ananias both recognize their master when they hear his voice. And Jesus speaks and they obey. So Jesus gives them clear directions, clearer than probably ever seen. And I've probably God's ever spoken to me before. And he says, I want you to go to this street, and here's what it's called. And then I want you to go to this house, and it's owned by this guy. And then I want you to go in there, and inside of there, there's this guy, and here's his name. Really clear directions that Jesus gives to him here. And, 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 and so he, he tells him about this, and Ananias' first response is, what? It's fear. He's like, listen, that's great, Jesus, but you know that guy, right? Like, I've heard about him. I've heard of what he's done in Jerusalem, and now he's coming here to arrest us. Like, you, that's the guy that you want me to go talk to right now? And then God says, go. He's my chosen instrument. I'm going to use him. I have my own calling for him, just like I have for you. This guy who has caused my church and me to suffer is now going to suffer for my name. Jesus doesn't just speak clearly. He speaks callings, and he did it to both Saul and Ananias in this moment. He's going to give Saul this incredible mission He's going to, through Saul, write the majority of the New Testament, Saul is going to be this guy whose life changes things to the point that probably we're in the room together this morning because of the ministry of this guy. In Ananias, he says, just go to him. I know you're afraid, but just go to him. I remember when uh, I was in high school at camp one summer and, and God called me into ministry was sitting in a service and I was hearing the teaching of God's word and all of a sudden like clearer than anything that I knew in in my life I, I just all of a sudden had this deep burden for people who didn't have a relationship with God and I saw all of these people that I knew in my life who didn't have a relationship with him and and God told me like that's what I want you to spend your life doing and it became clear that there was nothing else that he wanted for me other than to be engaged in, in ministry full time. But I, I, I wasn't ready. I was a shy kid early on in high school, and I had the kind of anxiety that keeps you up literally all night long if you have to say five words in front of people, much less do something like this. And I'm like, God, I'm not ready for this. Like, I can't do it. I can't handle it. But it didn't matter. He was calling me to it. And when Jesus calls us to something clearly, and we know that it's His voice, then we have to respond by saying yes. It's the only thing to do. It's not the only calling that He's ever given me in my life. He called me to salvation before that. Called me into ministry. Uh, at some point in in our marriage, Emily and I felt called to adopt out of foster care. We believe that that's a word that we got from the Lord, and we wanted to be obedient. We didn't feel ready to do that, but we knew that it's something God wanted. So. We stepped out in obedience. I I can't tell you how many conversations that I've had with someone where all of a sudden the Spirit of God is opening this door wide for the gospel to be spoken, and, and then all of a sudden I feel it, like, this is it. You need to talk about me. You need to talk about your experience with me. And in every single one of those moments, I've been afraid. But it doesn't matter because I'm being called And God calls us all the things in different ways. And he calls us to all kinds of different things. It doesn't mean that you you have to go into ministry full time. Maybe he's calling you to a specific house on a, a specific street with a specific person inside of it. Just like Ananias. That there's someone in your life that God is calling to himself. And he's calling you to be the one to go to them and share about what a relationship with Jesus looks like. If you're a Christian in the room this morning, then Jesus has spoken to you through the Spirit and he's called you. He's called you to confess your sin to him so that you can enter into a relationship with him. Maybe he's calling you to ministry. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he's calling you to take a next step here at Church of Came Bay and lead a missional community or maybe join a missional community. Like me and Ananias, with all these things, you're, we're, we're, we're scared. We're probably frightened When we experience these callings from Jesus, and it reminds me of of what happens when God called Moses. He called Moses in this spectacular display, and they're having this conversation, and God's telling him, Here's what I want you to go do to rescue my people. And Moses is like, God, like, you've got the wrong guy. Like, I'm not capable. I can't do that. There's no way. It's not going to happen. I can't pull it off. Uh, Have you seen me try and lead people before? Like, they don't want to follow me. They don't want to have anything to do with me at all. Like, I can't do this. And and I'm like literally the worst public speaker in the entire world. And you want me to go and do this thing? God, are you serious? He gave God every reason in the book not to obey. But in the end, God didn't want his ability. He wanted his obedience. And as we think about the things that God is calling us to As the Spirit clearly speaks to us what God would want for us, we have to understand the same thing. You might not be able. God's not asking you to be able, He's asking you to be obedient. He will make you able. The Spirit will do the work of preparing you to have you ready to do what you need to do to obey God in this moment. You don't have to be ready. You just have to be obedient. Think about Ananias. Jesus is telling him to go and talk to this guy who literally showed up in this town to arrest him and throw him in prison. But he doesn't. He obeys. God makes him ready. Jesus clearly speaks callings to us. We just have to be listening to make sure that we discern the voice of our Father, to make sure that the liar and the deceiver isn't pulling us away. We have to make sure that the other voices that are surrounding us aren't leading us away from what God wants. And even more, we have to make sure that our own voice inside of our heart that's calling us to be comfortable, to be safe, to avoid whatever is hard. That voice is not louder than the voice of God as we listen. Some of us here this morning, and Jesus is calling us to something hard. And we've heard it over and over and over again. But our voice has been a lot louder in our head than we've allowed that voice to be. And this is a time where we just need to say, you know what, I'm tired of fighting it. I just want obey. What happens in Acts 9 is a big moment. We'll see the conclusion of the story next week as Saul begins to turn his life around and and have even more obedience to what Jesus is asking him to do. But if you step back from this story and you just simply look at it, it's just a simple story of Jesus doing what Jesus does calling people who were lost to himself and then calling found people to them to go and tell them what grace is, tell them what it means to be rescued, what it means to be redeemed, what it means to be in a relationship with God. It's all this story is, and it's a story that we're all called to. Some of us are in here this morning, and we are like Saul. We've been running from God. We've been blind to the fact that Jesus is what we need. We've been trying to fill that space and fill our life with all this other stuff that we think is going to fulfill us and ignoring the fact that Jesus is here and he's asking us and calling us to come to him so we can experience real life. Today is a day that that we need to say yes and obey to the call that he's giving us. I'm here to tell you this morning, if that is you, That God loves you more than you could possibly imagine. That he loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to come to take your sin with him and to die and put it to death and leave it in the ground so it doesn't have any power over you anymore. But that you can get up as someone who has been made new, who has new hope and new life in front of you. You don't have to be who you were. He wants to know you. He wants to change you. In a few minutes, as we sing, I'll be in the back, and I'd love the chance to pray with you. And I think a lot of us here this morning are Ananias's. God's calling us to something specific, and I I don't know what that is for you. It could be a next step here at our church, it could be that God's calling you to lead your family more faithfully to Him, it could be that He's calling you to a neighbor or a person that you work with, that you know needs to experience a relationship with Jesus. And and this is the moment to obey. Be like Ananias. Don't let your fear get in the way. But let this be an opportunity where we, collectively, as individuals, who God has given a lot of different callings to, can allow God to do the things that he wants to do in our individual lives. And when that happens, when all of us together, something incredible happens that happened in the life of the early church, and that is what is called a movement and multiplication but it takes us individually being obedient and saying yes to what God wants listen there are people in your life that God is calling to himself right now and some of us are the ones that are holding them back from an eternity with him because we haven't said yes to the call that God has given to us it should change today Let's be the people of God who obey. Let's pray. God, we're thankful for your voice, what is often a still, small voice in the midst of chaos. we God, got a voice that we can tune our lives and our hearts to, that we can know, that we can have ears to hear. And God, I pray that we would be a people who, when you call us, we obey. And so I pray this morning for each person in the room, Lord, for those who need a relationship with you, God, that you would call them by your spirit this morning, Lord, that having heard the gospel, Lord, that you would give them the boldness and the courage to respond and not be afraid. And Lord, for those of us who have the joy of a relationship with you, God, that you've given a calling and a mission to, Lord. May we not be the reason that someone in our life doesn't get to spend an eternity with you, doesn't get to enter into a loving and gracious relationship with you, Lord, but may we obey the calling that you've given us so that people can see, hear, and respond to the hope and the good news that you have for them. God, move us this morning as we sing. We pray that you'd work in our hearts and lives. Lord, where you lead, we're gonna go. In Jesus name, Amen.